Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. I have in my hand a CD that was sent to me by Mike Lattimore. His mother listens to this program. How can you refuse to play a a piece from a CD when the fellow who sends it to you says, 
my mother listens to your program. <laughs> That's a sure way to get a CD played on any show. Write to the fellow who's pushing the buttons and say, my mother listens to your show. Here's something that I made. So I hope Mike Lattimore's mother is going to be listening to this show to hear her little boy sing the good life. You've heard about body language, that you can tell what a person is thinking by the way they stand. The body language experts will tell you that anyone who has his arms folded across his chest is aloof and uncommunicative. Now, that might be true in Boston, but on the street in Rockland, Maine, it could mean that you slopped clam chowder on your sweater. Ukulele Ike. And I said, I hope nobody's going to come in here for the next hour while I'm making my program, and you can be sure that nobody does. Except people who think they have the right to come in here and slam doors while I'm making radio programs. When you are talking with someone on the phone and you ask them for their number or address, do they say, Don't you have a pen? 
I suppose I could reply with, Yes, I do have a pen, but I don't seem to have a piece of paper, so I guess I'll have to write your number on my hand. Because you might sneer and say, Pen? Why does a person with total recall need a pen? <laughs> anyway, I once made the mistake of telling my brother that nothing enraged me like someone on the phone saying, Do you have a pen? Because now, every time I ask him a question, he says, Do you have a pen? Can change my complexion, girl. Proud and rosy red, stand. Anytime she holds my hand, tell me she's mine. Fighting and dead. Many girls who can thrill me, and some who can fill me with dreams of happiness. But I know I'll never rest until she says she's mine. Oh, baby, all mine, blue. I'm not afraid that she'll leave me, for she's not the kind to be unfair. But instead, I trust her implicitly. She can go where she wants to do what she wants to do. I don't care. I'll take my affection and change my complexion blue. Found a rosy bit to do. Anytime she holds my hand and tells me she's mine. Django, Django Reinhardt here on The Humble Farmer. I like that trumpet player. I can never remember his name, of course. It is not uncommon to go out in the woods in the town of St. George, Maine and see a little wooden platform 20 feet up in the air. I think they call this a tree stand. My friends 
who are hunters, climb up the tree and sit or stand on this tiny wooden platform, the tree stand, sometimes for hours until an animal comes close enough for them to shoot it. By that time, the hunter is usually so stiff from just sitting or standing that he can barely climb down the tree. This is why there is hardly a hunter alive who has used one of these tree stands who has not fallen off the thing and dropped kaplunk on the ground. Perhaps you have chanced upon those wipeout television programs where people crash snowmobiles and skateboards and water skis. But if you have never seen a hunter fall out of a tree stand, you realize that Maine's number one sport has been denied valuable promotional coverage. Are not producers of wipeout shows remiss in not adding footage of fallen Maine hunters to primetime television? Thank you.
Ruby Braff and Scott Hamilton here on the Humble Farm. Aware with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music every week at this time. Just for you. A very smart and witty girl once said to me, I know it's true, but I don't want to believe it. She was in, she was in good company. Robert Millikan, a an American physicist who got a Nobel Prize in 1923, said, I spent ten years of my life testing that 1905 equation of Einstein's, and contrary to all my expectations, I was compelled to assert its unambiguous verification in spite of its unreasonableness, since it seemed to violate everything we knew. Others who checked out Einstein's several papers said approximately the same thing. My experiments and observations say Einstein is correct, but I don't want to believe it. You know that a couple of months ago, you remember me telling you, a couple of months ago I paid a quarter for a mint condition copy of a book called Quantum. And since then I've read it over and over. What I've got out of it so far is the understanding that Einstein came up with several theories about time and space and matter that violated much of what scientists thought that they knew. Being scientists, they put Einstein's theories to the test. And although observation and experimentation proved to Nobel Prize winners that Einstein was right, even these extremely brilliant scientists had difficulty coming to grips with facts that contradicted much of what they'd been brought up to believe. Have you ever stopped to consider how difficult it must be for millions of intelligent Americans to believe much of what they see on the news and especially get in their emails? Every day their friends bombard them with letters saying that President Obama is not an American citizen, or that, <laughs> or that Al Gore is a hustler and a fraud who has made millions of dollars spreading false information about climate change, or that unions have brought America down. The friends who send these emails are good people. They earn their millions raising corn or speculating in real estate, or, or perhaps they inherited their money. They dress well, and they smile at you over evening cocktails, and they go to church, and are, well, they are good people. But yet, these millionaires send you emails that say that illegal aliens and lazy people who won't work are why we see boarded-up store windows and empty foreclosed homes. When everyone knows that about half of that there and your tax dollars go to pay for past, present, and future wars. These must be confusing times for elderly conservatives who think, because there are so many things out there that they know are true, but they just can't bring themselves to believe it.
bebop, 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 bebop. Nobody knows just how it started. Somebody blew it through a horn. Somebody played it on the fiddle. Somebody sang it and a song was born. Now it's the craze, the new sensation. It's the song the bands all swing. Now it's the phrase that rocks the nation. Don't try to stop me, cause I'm gonna sing. Eyes a mug and boom. Wheeze the mug and bang. Eyes a mug and boom. Boo bop, dee bop, boo bop, dee ho. Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening with any luck at all. You can hear me playing old-fashioned music every week at this time right here on your favorite station. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Last Thursday... Last Thursday, the sheriff responded to a 911 call from a housewife in St. George who was being crushed up against her wall phone by an oven that had overflowed with fudge brownie mix. It seems that the woman was confused with the directions on the back of the box, which were in the metric system. That is, the pan is supposed to be 33 by 23 by 5 cm's and You'll need 110 ml of water and 55 ml of vegetable oil. The only thing she found in common with the metric system was the one egg. It took the sheriff and a deputy several extra hours to free the woman because, well, according to the directions on the box, the brownies had to be cut into 4 by 5 cm squares before eating. Thank you. 
I think that's Sonny Stitton. He, if he isn't done yet, why? Too bad. <laughs> Sonny Stitt. Bill Dickey told me about one of the local Camden characters. This Camden character always walked around with a paper bag full of whatever he thought he'd be needing to get through the day. And every time this character would come in to visit one of the local businessmen who owned a store... The businessman would grab the paper bag and empty it on the counter to see what was in it, you know, just trying to be funny. Well, you don't have to know too much about characters in Camden or anywhere else in Maine to figure out what was going to happen sooner or later. And it did. One warm spring day, this character walked into the store with his paper bag, like he did every day, and the merchant grabbed it, like he did every day, and tipped it upside down on his counter. And he looked at what he had dumped on his counter, and he looked up his, at his friend, and he looked back at the counter, and he said, It looks like... And then he said, It smells like... And then he said, It is... But love 
Django here on the Humble Farmer, and if you I hope Mike Lattimore's mother is listening, because we are going to play something that her little boy sent. When a mother, when somebody writes to you and says, my mother listens to your program, and she told me that I should send something to you, there's no getting out of it. You know you've got to play it. And I'm very glad to do that today for Mike's mother. If you're old enough, you might remember the good old let boys play with dolls and girls play with trucks. Remember that? They found out that that program was a hoax and a fraud because it seems that boys and girls are pre-wired and the environmental and cultural factors are negligible. I thought I was a very destructive child but discovered on a website that by Taking an axe to an old cast-iron parlor stove and concrete steps, I was manifesting normal little boy behavior. The next level of difference between boys and girls has to do with gender-specific personality traits which affect how people learn. First, a word about gender-specific personality traits. You don't mind if I throw that in. In the 1960s and 1970s, it was fashionable to assume that gender differences in personality were culturally constructed. Back then, psychologists thought that if we raised Johnny to play with dolls and Sally to play with trucks, then many of these gender differences would vanish. Boo-hoo! Cross-cultural studies over the past 40 years have provided little support for this hypothesis. Here is one of the most challenging things teachers face. The girl who gets straight A's but thinks she's stupid and feels discouraged, and the boy who's barely getting B's but thinks he's brilliant. Consequently, the most basic difference in teaching style for girls versus boys is that you want to encourage the girls, build them up, while you give the boys a reality check. Make them realize they're not as brilliant as they think they are and challenge them to do better. For all the good it'll do, I might add. If you want to get 8th grade girls interested in chemistry, show the girls how chemistry can be used to improve the world. Let them build natural biochemical filters to clean dirty water so they can see how the water becomes fresh and clean. If you want to get 8th grade boys interested in chemistry, teach them about dynamite. Can't you see yourself standing before the school board the following week saying, How was I to know? Well, a good life, full of fun, seems to be the ideal. Yeah, the good life lets you hide. All those feelings you feel You don't ever fall in love For you can't take the chance So be honest with yourself Why try to fake romance It's the good life to be free to explore the unknown Like the heartaches when you learn you must face them alone 
please remember I still want you and in case you wondered why well just wake up kiss the good life
we'll just wake up and kiss the good life goodbye. We'll just wake up and kiss the good life goodbye. Da, 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 da. I usually don't say who's playing on these things, but I'm going to this time because we hope that Mike Latimore, trumpet and vocals, has a mother somewhere who's listening to this program, as promised. Piano, Michika Fukumore, guitar, Mazima Ishikawa, bass, Tim Givens, drums, Paul Francis. And again, Mike... Latimore on trumpet and vocals. Thank you for listening. The Humble Farmer, just about time to get out of here. I'm the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And here's some news that was mailed to me by my wife, Marsha's aunt. Keep a watch out for people standing near you at retail stores, restaurants, grocery stores, and so forth if they have a cell phone in their hand. With the new camera cell phones, they can take a picture of your credit card, which gives them your name, number, and expiration date. Identification theft is one of the fastest growing scams today, and this is just another example of the means that are being used. So, be aware of your surroundings. That's what I got. Now, your opinion. Do you think that the media should broadcast warnings about these scams? Does it put people on their guard, or does it outline in detail excited new opportunities for scammers who aren't bright enough to think up these techno-crimes on their own?